This is Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucaran, giving you eternal answers to challenging questions and providing reasons for faith in Christ. What happens when a person who is born and raised a Muslim comes to faith in Jesus Christ? You're going to hear such a person today with Pat Zucaran on Evidence and Answers. Pat? Yes, Kevin, we have with us returning from last week, Dr. Abraham Sarker. He has a doctorate from Regent University. And he is the author of this wonderful book, Understand My Muslim People. And you can also visit him on their website, understandmymuslimpeople.com. Now, Dr. Sarkar was raised in the Islamic home in Bangladesh and came to the United States as a Islamic missionary to the United States. And he found Jesus Christ and tells of his exciting story in his book and also insights into the religion of Islam and how to effectively communicate with those who are of the faith of Islam and Dr. Sarkar. Well, for those who weren't able to listen last week, briefly summarize how you came to Christ being raised in a Muslim home there in Bangladesh. Well, Pat, I was born into a very devout Muslim home in Bangladesh. My father was an Islamic leader. My mom was an Islamic school teacher. So from age seven, I was practicing the religion. I became very devout in that very young age. I was praying five times a day, and I was fasting in the month of Ramadan. Now, when I was 13 years old, I joined with the Islamic organization, and they trained me to be an Islamic leader. And when I was 15 years old, suddenly I had a dream. My dream was that I had died, and I faced God, and God put me into a lake of fire. Three times I had the same dream. One day I was praying in the mosque, and suddenly oil, drops of oil fell over me. And that was such a wonderful experience in my life. One day I was coming from the mosque and I heard an audible voice said, go and get a Bible. Four years I looked for the Bible and I could not find one. And finally when my father sent me to America as a Muslim missionary, I found the Bible and realized who Jesus Christ is. And I gave my life to Jesus. Uh, since then my parents completely disowned me. My family are very, very angry. But now today I want to tell you, um, Pat, two of my brothers are Christians. Uh, they accepted the Lord. And my father, who is a Muslim leader, also accepted the Lord. You know, Abraham, uh, I share a lot of experience with you. I came out of a Buddhist home, and so I share a lot of those experiences. And one of the great burdens we have is not only see our family, but mm -hmm. others come to know the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. Tell us, Amen. with the insights that you have, how do we share the gospel with Muslims? Well, the first of all, we must understand the Islamic faith, you see, and the Muslims' mindset. I think, first of all, our job would be as Christians, we must understand the, how they think, where they're coming from. And that's why I also named my book, Understand My Muslim People. Now, how could you understand them? Let's, let's say as an example that Muslims and Christians, we both believe in one God, but we understand God completely differently. And it's because the, our attributes of God is very different. Now then, we have those different religions, progressions of religions in Islam. As an example would be that Hinduism, and then look at the progression, Hinduism, then, uh, then you have Judaism, then Christianity, and then Islam. What does it mean that if you are a, uh, if you are a Hindu, you are three steps behind of Islam? So they believe that Islam is the best religion in the world. So therefore, they are very proud to be Muslims. 
Muslims are very proud to be Muslims, like we are very proud to be Christians. Now then, remember the Christianity and then Islam. So therefore, if you ask a Muslim to convert to Christianity, what you are doing, you are asking them to come backwards, go back instead of coming forward. For a, to a Muslims, for a Christian to convert to Islam, that is coming forward, not going backward. Do you see the uh, mentality, how they think? Right. And also, uh, when it comes to Islam, it's also tied in with the culture and family. It's just not a uh, philosophy or, or a theology. It's tied into your whole lifestyle and background, isn't it? Exactly right. And then so I'm glad that you brought that up because, you see, uh, uh, in Christianity, if you're born into a Christian family, it doesn't make you a Christian automatically. In Islam, if you're born into a Muslim family, like when I was born into a Muslim family, I was a Muslim. All I needed to do is say the Shahada, there is no God but God and Muhammad is my messenger. And I was a Muslim. I was a devout one. So, you know, therefore, and you see that this is their whole identity. This is what they were born. They were born as a Muslim. And we say, no, I was not born as a Christian. You know, like Kevin over here would say that I was I was not born as a Christian. I accepted Christ later in my life when I understood when I needed God in my life. So there's a huge difference here, the way that we both think. Right, and so if you are saying any kind of, of criticism against Islam, mm -hmm. understand you're um, really, they may take it as an insult to them personally and their family and their culture and all of that together. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, uh, that's right. And then it's so intertwined. It's, it's like a lifestyle. Islam and the religion is a lifestyle. So it is very harder for them to uh, break away from that or come out of that. And you experience that uh, coming from the Buddhism. And I, I am still experiencing that from, you know, coming from a Muslim background. Well, Abraham, what does Christ have? To offer Muslims. Well, what, cry, uh, what does Christ offer to Muslims? That's what a wonderful question. You know, do we have a deal for Muslims? I say that we don't have a deal. We have a great deal. We have a great deal for Muslims. What do we offer? First, we offer, the Christ offer a personal God. He talked about a personal God that who came on this earth. Jesus came on this earth, lived among us, did his ministry among us. Now, God that we could know, personal God, we could know him, and God who could hear us. And so there's a huge difference here that we offer a personal God. You know, as a Muslim, let me just tell you, Pat, as a Muslim, I was longing for a personal God. You know, I would spend hours and hours in the mosque praying, but I never felt that God was with me. But as a Christian right now, every time I call in the name of Jesus, I feel him. We have a personal God. Secondly, that we have a God who loves us unconditionally. That he loves us unconditionally. You know, in Islam... God does not love us unconditionally. It's a conditional love. Let me explain how that is. Allah said he does not like sinners. He dislikes sinners. But Jesus, the God that we are talking about, that he loves us unconditionally, and he died on the cross for our sins. 
So now here, the second thing we offer, uh, first is the personal God, second is a loving God, third, we offer the Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what it means? It means that today, that when I accepted Jesus, I accepted the Savior of the world. It means that if I die today, I can say that I will be in heaven. But in Islam, there is no Savior. Muhammad did not come to save us. Muhammad came to give us the law, the book, the Quran. See, there is no Savior in Islam. So how do you get saved? Only way you get saved, through your good deeds. Your good deeds. So, and then the fourth, the last thing I say that we offer to Muslims is the Holy Spirit. You know, there's no concept of Holy Spirit in, in Islam. So they don't understand uh, who he is. Holy Spirit is God. You know, to, uh, when Jesus left, he left the Holy Spirit with us. And Holy Spirit who guides us, leads us, and gives us peace. In Islam, why people all over the world, in mm. my country, in the Middle East, all over the world, Muslims are longing for peace. The answer that I found in the Bible, Jesus said, in me you may have peace. And here is the answer. Because they don't have Jesus. If we don't have Jesus, you cannot have the Holy Spirit. So when we accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit come upon us and give us, uh, give us guidance, and he leads us every day and gives us peace. Now, what a news. What a, what a wonderful uh, news that we have. And uh, this, I call this is a great deal, not just a deal for Muslims. Yeah, Abraham, you know, I read in, in the Quran, and Allah is distant. Uh, he's one to be feared, God of judgment. He can be capricious. However, when I read the Bible, I see a, a very different image as you pictured. He says, a uh, shepherd to his sheep, or a father to his son, or something like the prodigal son, how the father waited and longed for his son to return. And when he did, the father went running to the son, and the man who, uh, you know, sending his only son, Jesus Christ, to save those who are lost. It's a very different picture, and that's something you made very clear here. Well, thank you, Pat, and I, uh, you know, I... Today, I am so happy because I found a living God that who loves me unconditionally. And also, there's you also mentioned the assurance of eternal life. Amen. Something that's not in Islam. Explain that a little bit to us. Well, assurance of, uh, of my salvation. If I am a Muslim, I cannot tell you, Pat, that if I die today, I will be in heaven. I couldn't. Let me just tell you this. I explained the gospel of Jesus Christ to my father was a Muslim leader. And I asked my father, I said, Father, you are the best Muslim in the world, I know. If you die today, are you going to heaven or hell? Would you please tell me? My father told me, Son, I do not know. I do not know where I am going. I said, How come you do not know? Because there is no assurance of salvation in Islam. There is no assurance that you will go to heaven. And that is something that all of us seek to understand and know, uh, how can I know God? Can I communicate with God? Will I have eternal life? Those are questions that all men all over the world, not just Muslims, but men of all religions seek to answer, isn't it? Amen. This wonderful book, you're going to want to get it. Understand My Muslim People, in which he shares his story of coming to Christ as a former Muslim missionary. Uh, Abraham, we were talking about sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with Muslims. And Abraham, what causes Muslims 
to come to Christ? Well, that's a very good question. You know, what, what causes Muslims to turn to Christ? Well, I look at it in my own life. What caused me to turn to Christ? Number one thing, I believe that because of your prayer, Pat, I believe someone like you, a Christian, one day prayed for me and said, I want a Muslim to have a dream or a vision in Bangladesh. And I think that's what I had the dream. I think the number one thing is the prayer. Our prayer causes Muslims to turn to Christ. Now the second thing is our example, how we live our life, because that is very important. I saw a lot of good Christians that uh, that I saw watch in their life. I wanted that lifestyle. Our example is very important. The third is our love, and we must love Muslims the way they are. You know, see, if we hate them, they're going to feel it. They're going to know it then we are not going to be effective. And then our love, and then, the, uh, so th- these are the things would be that we need to share with Muslims. And then the, I would say the last one would be the witness. Now let's see, first of all, you pray. Second, that you exemplify Christ in your life. Third, you love them. Then you are ready, when you do all those three, then you are ready to witness. We always talk about the witness. I say that that would be the, Last one, that then you witness and you, you tell your story that what God has done, what Jesus has done in your life. What are some arguments that you hear common among Muslims uh, when you're dialoguing with them? Well, the, uh, that's a very good question, Pat. Uh, mm-hmm. They would always ask me about the Trinity. That mm-hmm. Trinity, mm-hmm. first of all, I would say that the way Muslims understand the Trinity, that's wrong because the in the Quran, it said the Trinity is the Father God, the Mother Mary, and then the Son Jesus. Now, that is not the Trinity that we believe. That's wrong. The Trinity is the Father, and then the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, Muhammad did not understand the Trinity. That Therefore, a lot of Muslims out there misunderstand the Trinity. And the Trinity does not mean to us as Christians, not to me, not to you, Pat, and anybody who is listening who are Christians, is that not three gods out there. There's only one God. But we always have a hard time to explain that to Muslims because they don't have that concept in the religion. We always argue about this. Now, I tell Muslims that in every faith that you look at, Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, Islam, that you have certain points that are where you put your faith in. You don't understand everything. We only understand what God revealed to us. Uh, does it make sense? That yes, it we does. only understand what mm-hmm. he revealed to us. So we are not God, so we don't understand everything about God. So mm-hmm. there is some mystery. Maybe you know that's why it's very hard for us to explain the Trinity to Muslims. You know, one thing interesting is the Trinity was around for 700 years right. before Muhammad uh, wrote the Quran. And uh, it's amazing that he made a mistake for a doctrine that had been around for so long. How did he make that mistake? Uh, Muhammad. Muhammad. Right. Well, I think that because, you know, Muhammad had encounter uh, with a lot of Christians, early Christians, and those early Christians did not understand the Trinity very well. Their doctrine were, uh, were not very, very solid, like what we have today. So they probably did not also have access to the Bible, the original Bible that we have. Uh, so therefore, that 
that's how Muhammad learned about it, and this is what you know how it came to the Quran. I see. Now, what are some arguments that uh, we could expect when we're talking about Muslims regarding Jesus Christ? Well, this the same thing. We go in a circle, and I just talk about the Trinity. And then uh, uh, talked about Muhammad. Why don't we accept Muhammad like uh, just as, a, as the last prophet? And they always talk about Jesus, that Jesus is not the Son of God. And then they also argue, always argue about um, Trinity is the, I would say, the biggest uh, thing that I always argue with. Uh, I always talk with. Uh, Seems to be a real roadblock. Yeah, you, uh, uh, you yeah. are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. Let me just also tell you this. Now, you might ask this question, well, Abraham, you came from a Muslim background. How did you handle Trinity? Trinity. Now, I became a Christian, and I had a hard time understanding the, uh, understanding the Trinity. And for years, I would say for years, I did not understand it. People would ask me, say, do you believe in the Trinity? I said, I believe in it, because it's in the Bible. The teaching is in the Bible, but I don't fully understand it. So they would try to help me to understand. They gave me all sorts of different examples, like the egg, like the water, and all this. But all those made sense, but I could not understand it. You know, finally, I came to the point where I had to put my faith in it. I had to put my faith in it, you know. And I realized one thing very quickly I want to mention to you. As a Muslim, I believed that G uh, Muhammad went to heaven from the Dome of the Rock, the mosque in, uh, in Israel. From there, Muhammad went to heaven, and then he went to the uh, sixth heaven and met with God, Allah, and negotiated the five times prayer that we have today. Now, it was the time frame was only blink of an eye. How could he, blink of an eye, in that short period of time, he went to the seventh heaven and met with God, met with Allah, and came back? I was thinking about this. You know, to, to believe in that, I must have some faith in it. So that's what I tell my Muslim friends. If you can believe in that, you should not have any problem with the Trinity. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's a great analogy. Uh, Abraham, is it realistic to think that Christians can witness effectively to Muslims? And if so, how? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, how could we Christians witness to uh, Muslims? Well, you know, as I shared with you, those four things that Muslims are longing for. I know that all those Muslims out there, they're longing for a personal God. The way you and I know God today, personally, they're longing for it. And they're longing for a God who could love them, but they don't have it. And then I look at this, the assurance of salvation. They're all working so hard, praying five times a day. They want to go to heaven. They don't want to go to hell, but they don't have that assurance of salvation. And then they want peace, but they can't have peace without Jesus. And without Jesus, there would not be any Holy Spirit. So you see, this is where I am seeing a great need for us, for Christians, to share this good news with Muslims, that which they're longing for. As I explain those four things, my friends, those four things is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, Abraham, a question here we're getting, is Islam a peaceful religion, or does it teach that faith should be spread through the sword? Well, Islam, uh, is, is it a uh, peaceful religion? Okay, let me tell you this, Pat. I was a Muslim, and I was taught about jihad in the Islamic school called Madrasas. I went there, and so all of my life, my mom was an Islamic school teacher, as I mentioned to you. And, you know, the way they 
train me and talk to me about jihad jihad is that jihad is is the jihad of my tongue as a young boy they told me jihad is your tongue means you don't say things that's going to hurt somebody you don't so you don't say bad words and the jihad of my feet i don't go places where i should not be going jihad of my hand so you see the jihad meant to me as a young age you know, from my sunni background from my islamic schools that which would help me to be a better muslim but sometimes some muslims that they would use jihad as the sixth pillar of islam in that pillar sixth pillar of islam jihad would translate to them the inter- interpret to them uh, that that's the way we need to propagate the religion of islam all over the world so you see all muslims should engage into jihad according to the islamic uh, islamic teaching all muslims should engage into the jihad if someone an enemy or an infidel or or whoever would come against islam then all muslims should unite and join in jihad but it's not that you should go and kill other people to engage you know, t- uh, to mm-hmm. do those kind of things and uh, activate jihad How do they interpret those verses in the Quran? Talks about attacking the infidels, lying wait, smite their necks. How do most Muslims interpret that, and how should it be interpreted? Well, you see, that is the uh, a very good point because in the Quran they mentioned all of this. As Muhammad, you know, he in his lifetime he won sixty-six battles, so he fought most of his uh, mm-hmm. adulthood so you you can you can imagine that he was engaged in battles so there was killings and all these things happened right so now how would they would explain that now if i ask him uh, muslim clerics or the way i would explain it this was at that time it was necessary as an example would be if you ask a muslim well muhammad married numerous time some sources would say the 12 to 13 some said 15 wives including the concubines well why not muslims marry 15 wives today why why they don't have 15 wives quran said you can have only until four wives why because that was that was at that time was the revelation to muhammad to marry all these wives but so someone would interpret jihad in, and then was like that but today we don't interpret that way. Well, Abraham, in our last minute here, uh you've got the story doesn't end there with just right. your conversion. I mean, you've got an exciting uh story that's still being written, right? Your family came to Christ. Uh, right, tell right, us briefly yeah. just how that happened and what hope we can have as Christians as we reach out to our Islamic friends. Well, I would say that the and the reason uh my family, my some of my uh family members accepted the lord plus a uh, lord allowed me or helped me to share my faith with other muslims and who also accepted jesus simply this is what i shared in the book number one is our prayer we must pray for muslims when was the last time pat mm-hmm. you and i prayed for muslims when was the last time that people were listening that you prayed for muslims you have a muslim friends you must begin you must pray for them pray for the muslim world uh, muslim world now here we must pray the secondly that we must love muslim people you know we must show our love to them and we must live a christian life you know if our life doesn't exemplify christ then it's not going to be worth much uh, to share with them because they are not going to accept it 
because we have to practice what we say and what we preach and then we must witness witness to say what God has done in my life God has done a lot of things in your life Pat. God has done a lot of things in my life in Kevin's life and others that were uh, listening and we must share that with others and Muslims are longing for those four things I share we want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zukerin on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few. Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. Thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharin. God bless and thanks so much for listening. evidenceandanswers.org.